On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Gators your first listen every day. Happy Monday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com where you can find all of my written work. Today, like every post-game episode, we're going to go a full game review, talking about the good, bad, and ugly, and we'll talk about what I said I'd be looking for on Friday. Before we get started, just a quick reminder to follow Locked On Gators wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode Please do subscribe to Locked On Gators on YouTube because we're having a blast and tomorrow's Tape Tuesday, so you're going to miss out probably if you don't subscribe or don't watch. And check my pinned tweet and let Locked On know why Florida has the best fan base just because I want to talk that talk to everybody else, you know? Uh, getting right into it, we're going to take a look at the review as the offense. Um, the offense was incredibly boring and very bland in the first half, like it was lulling Tennessee, the fans, and myself to sleep for the most part. I, it, it was very, um, very, very basic play calling and very basic play design. And it was, I mean, it, it was still relatively effective because it worked for the most part. We had that fumble in uh, by Jacob Copeland in the red zone that really sucked. But again, that that's not a play design thing. You don't you don't scheme up fumbles, um, at least on offense. <laughs> Uh, still no Anthony Richardson, which is not super surprising. Uh, I'll get more into that in the third segment about what I've heard and what's going on with it. Uh, it's nothing bad. It's just, it's just the strategy at this point. Uh, Emery is finally coming into his own. It seems thankfully Emery Jones had a pretty good week. I believe I talked about it last week on one of the episodes where Emery on Emory Jones was the only quarterback that played against Alabama. I do believe that it was partly to keep Anthony Richardson healthy. I also believe that part of it was the coaching staff saying, you know what? We trust Emery. We need Emery to know that we have full confidence in him and nothing but confidence. I'm also now realizing how red my nose is. Jeez, it was like 75 degrees out yesterday, which I used to work at a tanning salon. I know that has nothing to do with tan, but yeah, yesterday I was outside for a bit and that's what happens to me because I'm incredibly white. Um, this week was also the least rush, rushing touchdowns of the season, but the Gators did tie their season high in passing touchdowns. Uh, it was just what was working. You know, Tennessee has a very good run defense. This is something that going into the week, um, it, it, it was discussed between myself and Eric Kane over on Locked On Vols. And we, we talked about this where Tennessee has a pretty good run defense. So it's got a, the passing game had to step up. I mean, the passing game did. Emory Jones is really coming into his own over these past couple of weeks. Defensively, big plays continue to kill us. That's been the Achilles heel for the Gators. And it apparently will continue to be the Achilles heel for us because I mean, not even because it is the most frustrating thing about this defense that we have so many, uh, so many athletes, so many talented players and so many skilled players, but there's just so many mental lapses where it's like, this is why if we don't win the SEC or if we don't make it to the SEC championship, or if we don't make it to the playoffs, it's probably because of the mental errors or defensively wise, it's probably because of the mental errors offensively. It's because our passing game still hasn't found a rhythm consistently, but we're, we're getting there. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill the offense, um, but we're getting there. But defensively, there's just so many mental lapses where it's like, 
these big plays should not be happening. I, I get last week, Jaleel Billingsley's touchdown for Alabama. That was just great scheme by Alabama. And I mean, a bit of breaking the rules by sprinting into our defensive player, but that that's just what happens there. But there are some big plays where it's like, these shouldn't be happening when we have this many talented players in our secondary specifically, because our defensive line is carrying the load right now. Like that, they are doing a huge majority of the work and the secondary needs to, needs to step up and kind of, uh, kind of alleviate some of that pressure. And besides those two big plays too, Tennessee couldn't throw the ball worth a damn. And, but, but because we had those two terrible plays, Tennessee was in the game for most of the game. But if they didn't have those two big plays, they were screwed the entire time. They had two big plays early and stopped. And it's like, look, I, I get that we can, we can celebrate um, recovering after a rough start, but two terrible first quarters in a row, not, or at least two first quarters where we don't dominate the way we should. And two first halves where we don't kind of make our, make our presence known. Um, that's going to get us killed against Georgia, uh, probably even against LSU. Bama, we got lucky with how bad our first quarter was that our defense really just cleaned up after that. Not having Kyrie Elam in the secondary this week is what kind of killed us specifically on that second huge play um, because it was just blown completely. It, it was just atrocious. Uh, Elijah Blades played for the first time since the opener, and I, I can't remember which play it was on, but I remember he laid a solid hit on the running back, and I was like, ooh, I was like, who, who the hell out here hitting like that? And it was Elijah Blades just putting his shoulder into dudes right on the sideline, too. And I, I'm not going to celebrate this part, but I do believe that the running back came up hobbled after that, which is unfortunate. Um, it's a good, good hit, clean hit, uh, more importantly, especially when it, when it costs an injury, that it's a clean hit is more important. But uh, the defense, you know, uh, it, it's not there yet. And the thing is, if our Gators want to compete for the SEC title and want to make a playoff game for the first time, um, defense needs to get there. The secondary needs to get there, actually. I'm not even going to say defense. Linebackers are banged up right now. D-line is playing out of their freaking minds. And the secondary is just lackluster at this point. I don't know how else to put it. They're disappointing is what they are so far. Offense coming into their own, still not there. But getting there. That's that's the important part. Getting there. Improvement is what we're looking for. Uh, all right, football fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize picks offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. And it is one of the only places where you can bet college football props because those are incredibly difficult to find and prize picks has more than anyone in the world from power five to mid-major and you might not have even heard of some of the kids that you're talking about and make money off of but hey no matter as long as you make that money prize picks allows mixed sport entries you can take the over on uh lebron steals and the under on mahomes passing yards which you should never do in your life don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prizepicks is daily fantasy made easy. Now we're going to take a look at the good, bad, and ugly from Saturday's game against Tennessee. The good, Emory Jones. I, I realize that he's had a lot of um, criticism early on. He's gotten off to a slow start, but he's 
he's getting there. That, that's that's the important thing. He he's getting there. And uh, I stand by my statements last week. If you were in that crowd of ninety thousand and you were booing your starting quarterback, you're a fool. And there's nothing, and not like the fun, like boy, you fool, like you're a fool if you did that. Same thing up to Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma, where they were chanting for his backup, and it's like you're the home team. You support your team. I'm not saying you have to blindly support them, but if you what 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 are you gonna get from booing your starting quarterback? You think that's gonna make him be like, oh, they love me. I'm gonna play a lot better now. Like, no, they're gonna get turned off and they're gonna not wanna play for you guys. Like they're not gonna wanna play their hearts out. And it's like, then you're gonna bash the guy for having low character, and it's because you demolished it. So I stand by that. And I'm I'm sorry, I'm just going off on a tangent again about that, but that's where we're at with this thing, because crowds booing their own home team and their own quarterbacks is one of uh one of the dumbest things i've ever seen but emory jones rather simple and basic offense like i discussed in the first segment but he, he made the throws he was asked to make he extended plays with his legs so he did even more than he was asked at some point and he looked i'll say more comfortable than ever a little too comfortable at points where he was legit just standing in the pocket and he's like yeah this is what this is my O-line. Like, they're good enough. I'll wait. And, like, that that's great to have an O-line that you're that confident in. But, like, that's not great offense to just stand there. You know, at, at a certain point, go. Make a play. Uh, but, hey, I'm, we won, so I'm cool with it. Uh, another good, Trey Dean the third. Uh, I usually don't try to include two players in this, but Trey Dean was coming to the season someone that I was very high on, as I was for Emory Jones. But against Alabama, Trey Dean struggled specifically early on. He was just playing rough football like not 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 like tough football like like rough football early on it was pretty ugly but against tennessee he was all over the field really rebounded i think he had like 11 tackles one and a half for a loss and a pass deflection like he was everywhere i know stats don't say it all but trey dean was all over the field making plays and it was it was it was was nice (laughs) to see trey dean play like uh play like the trey dean that going into the season myself and uh, many others were hoping for. Looking at the bad, uh, I feel bad saying this, but but I, I'm putting run blocking in here. Not that they were bad, but they've been better against better teams. Like they were better against Alabama than they were against Tennessee. Um, it was it just wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great, and it's bad for our standards at this point that we've established throughout the first month of the season. Uh, it feels like this week a lot of the big plays in the ground game were. Made kind of kind of by a lot of just cutbacks and um, things like Emery with his uh, 49-yard run. Uh, a lot of that was set up by, not even set up by, it was just a scheme where he made that run. Kimori Gamble was lead blocking, although there wasn't really anybody to lead block because the field was just wide open. But uh, half of the Gators' rushing yards this week came after contact. And that percentage would be significantly higher if it weren't for Emery breaking off some big runs completely untouched. Running back-wise, yeah, a huge majority of the yards were after contact. That's not a good thing to have. I, I get, like, yeah, like, sure, you want a lot of yards after contact because odds are you are typically you want your O-line to get you two to three yards before you get touched, and then you want to pick up some more. But, you yeah, know, this was a... Uh, not not great, I'll say. I mean, granted, a lot of it also is like our running backs are dancing in the backfield looking for holes instead of just getting north-south. At some points, I uh, love our running backs. I love how they perform, but that's that's just the fact. If you watch it, you see that they dance around a bit waiting for holes instead of just getting north-south. 
Um, the other bad for me this week was Kimura Gamble's blocking inconsistency. Um, I really, this is a little nitpicky because one, it was a good game for the Gators for the most part. Um, it was a good game. And I'm also kind of a, like, like I've said it before, uh, tight ends are my favorite offensive position. So I'm, I'm a tight end kind of guy. So I watch the tight ends a lot, especially, especially now that Florida's running a lot more zone split and zone read split and all that fun stuff. Um, but Kimura Gamble way too often just tries to like throw his shoulder into guys. Like he, he's not putting his hands into people. He's literally just running and just going eh, and just doing that. And it's like, what, what are you hoping to accomplish by doing that? That's not going to, you're not going to lay someone out like, like, trying to hit someone like that and you're not going to hold the block trying to hit someone like like that so that's got to get improved upon usually he's fine but this week i don't know what was going on with it uh the ugly big play defense i've i've gone through this where you know tennessee going into the year uh, or going into this game didn't have big plays on in the passing game they had in fact that's 47 yard screen was the longest passing play of the season for tennessee and then they had a 75-yard pass that was the longest pass of the season for Tennessee. So they've had two of their longest passing plays of the season against the Gators' uh, secondary and the Gators' defense. And let me tell you, if you think it's going to stop with Tennessee, it's not. Like other teams are going to say, "Okay, we're just going to take shots." Then, like that's we're going to take shots, and eventually they'll screw up and we'll score. Um, and until we prove that that's not the case, that's what's going to happen. Like they're just going to take shots against us. Um, you know, we've got a we've got not an easy schedule coming up, so <laughs> so I would be a little weary. Like Vanderbilt's not going to be, hopefully, won't be too much of a challenge. But Kentucky's going to let the ball fly sometimes, and Georgia, I don't know if they're going to let the ball fly, but I think they might if they see how um, Swiss cheese our secondary has been. Uh, missed tackles is another thing that is just. So ugly for our Gators. Uh, Florida had 17 missed or broken tackles on Saturday, according to Pro Football Focus. That is a 17% missed tackle rate. Like, that's a lot. Against Alabama, we had 15. That is a lot to have 17 missed tackles in a game. Like, that is atrocious. Um, not, I don't want, I don't like being the guy to like come at players, but I will say, like, uh, Diabati had. Five total tackles, five missed tackles, and it's like that's not a good ratio to have. Like, you, like we've got to pick that up. This defense needs to uh, needs to clean it up because a lot of the passing yards that Tennessee had also was on these little shovel screens, and then they would just run without getting tackled. Locked on Gators is now on YouTube, and you'll see eventually that I'm a bit of a sweater. Uh, you should have seen me yesterday. I was like everywhere, but I mean, I'm, I sweat like a mother father. We know this. I was in Miami a month ago, and I was, oh, my God, it was a month ago. And I was dying in that heat. But now I use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. I would know. Um, it's gross to share this, but I would know. I sweat a lot. That's just, that's my body. Don't make fun of me. You're rude. Uh, you simply apply it at night before bedtime. Go to bed. Wake up. Bam. Shower. You're good to go and not worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. And I know it sounds too good to be true, but... I only have to use Sweatblock once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry. Use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off Sweatblock.com or get it at Amazon, where it was an number one seller, or CVS. 
And I don't know about you guys, but football season is here. And now I'm constantly reminded of how much better physique these guys are in. Like they're jacked, just ripped to the nines. It's insane. And I'm not. So I'm committing to eating Built Bar as a snack, just, just instead of my sugar-filled snacks. Uh, Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. If you're trying to eat clean, but you've got a sweet tooth like I do, like you don't even want to know what I ate yesterday. My neighbors had a birthday party. They brought up some cake and cupcakes and other junk stuff. That's that's where I was at. And I was also at a festival, so whatever. Uh, but that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> Built Bar is your low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber solution. You can even enjoy it. If you're keto, remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. Now, this part's going to be very quick because there wasn't a ton that I was looking for this game, but uh, this is where we're at. Will we see Anthony Richardson? We did not see Anthony Richardson. Um, He didn't play at all, and I alluded to this in the first segment. Uh, I've been told that the plan for Anthony Richardson is to Keep him out until the Georgia game. Um, that's just what I've been told. I don't know if that's true or if that's really the plan or what it is, but that's what I've been told. Keep Anthony Richardson out until the Georgia game to keep him healthy and get him going. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if we see Anthony Richardson at all before then, um, assuming, obviously, that uh, assuming, assuming that there's no Amory Jones injury, um, which, again, hope, hope not, just going to. Knock on wood. There we go. Uh, that's how I should do it instead of knocking on this piece. And I knocked down my painting or my picture. Whatever. That's that's how it is for now. You're going to see that. So that's where we're at. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure if that's what's going to happen or what. I mean, I know I'm not being told. I, I'm not being told that to smoke screen people. That's my point. Um, but we'll see how much we see him. Uh, right now, my understanding is that we shouldn't expect him until Georgia. So that's the way I'm going to operate, that we're not going to see him until Georgia. Uh, or until Dan Mullen specifically says, hey, Emery's going to play. When he says that, then I'll, then I'll change my mind. But for now, I'm working under what I've been told. Uh, I also wanted to see how the Gators would handle Tennessee's tempo because we know Tennessee likes to go fast. They like to go up-tempo. Florida handled it, um, I want to say, relatively well. Uh, mainly because, okay, going into it, Tennessee averaged 77 plays per game. Florida's defense was on the field for 68 plays per game. Tennessee was held to their second fewest plays of the season. Um, ironically, that was that number is 68. So Florida's defense still averages 68 plays per game, um, which is kind of impressive to knock it perfectly there. Um, but also when I like I say relatively well, because Tennessee probably would have been on the field more if they didn't score two huge touchdowns. That's that's what I'm getting at. Like we would have seen their tempo more early on, and we would have seen how we handle the tempo more early on if Tennessee didn't have a 47-yard touchdown on a screen, if Tennessee didn't have a 75-yard touchdown down the sideline. So we don't really like we we know how we handled their tempo for the rest of the game, but my point is that we don't know how the defense would have been if let's say let's say Tennessee that 47-yard drive or that's 47-yard touchdown. Uh got two more first downs and had more plays and our defense got a little more tired or if that 75 yard touchdown. If that just became, even if that became a punt after a 30 yard or 40 yard uh, drive, it would have been interesting to see how our defense would have rebounded. Um, so, wow. In a way, Florida let Tennessee score to keep our guys fresh. That's, that was the plan. Wow. That was Todd Grantham finally putting in work. 
Um, that's at least the way I'm going to look at it. That's a stupid way to look at it, but that's that's at least how I'm going to say it to make myself feel better about this defense giving up just massive plays. Uh, it's just, it, it's tough sometimes. That about does it for today's episode of Lockdown Gators. Join me tomorrow as it's tape. Tuesday, baby. Once again, my name is Brandon Olson. I scared the crap out of my cat. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. Be sure to check out Lockdown Vols, hosted by Eric Kane, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Eric, uh, you know, I feel bad for him because the Vols certainly tried, but they were just outmanned and out-talented, if we're going to be honest. I'm just going to let you know. Betting on the Gators doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you listen to podcasts.